Abba, bless the sharing and reading of your word, truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Father, from your scriptures. For any to hear, hear and listen to the words, and trust in you, Father. Holy Spirit, to pull out the hearts of those that are unsure, Father, that they would come and say, I do, I will, Holy Spirit, let's go. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, for your love, your grace, your mercy, and forgiveness. Abba Yahweh Amma, Yeshu Amma, Paraklitos Aman. So this is a, um, there's kind of a combination of things going on with these, this study and the words that I have found and been given. But I think that we have to remember something very prominent very definitive and it is a promise that God's given in all this turmoil and things that go on. You see, here's the thing. I will, for some, that those that seek to be offended are going to believe that I speak uh, negatively toward things. Well, yeah, I will go to, but I'm being truthful and I'm being honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat the gospel. I'm not going to sugarcoat the word of God, and I'm not going to disguise it with a whole bunch of fancy icing and everything on it. If it's truth, it's truth, period. So you will have those individuals that try to sugarcoat the gospel. They only will give you out-of-context scriptures that don't apply to things that are going on in this world today, and they don't want to discuss things from the book of Revelation. They don't want to discuss things from the books of prophecy or such, so forth and so on. They only want that little bluebird of happiness thing going on. And when they they talk about, um, you know, and it's it's okay. It it is really okay because <clears throat> they're not um, they're not exhibiting at least the ones that I know of and that I've talked to are not exhibiting an overtly fearful spirit. They just don't want to look at that direction. But the thing of it is that I look at all directions for everything because God is all things. He covers all things. He created all things. And here's something very vitally important that all must remember in spite of what is going on around us. And what here's, <laughs> here's something, here's a... Uh, you know, you get so many people, yeah, but what if, but what if, but what if, but yeah, but what if, but what if. God is with me even if, even if. So what if? So what if over there? So what if over here? Even if that does happen, God is still with me. Be not discouraged. Be not dismayed. Be not fearful. You can be afraid, but don't be fearful. I've shared this with you, and I see so much of this going on, and so much of this is being shared over and over about being afraid of this happening, that happening. For God hath not, and you'll find this in the second epistle of Paul in his letter to Timothy. Um, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. 
Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the righteous of the gospel according to the power of God. A partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. God, you know, there's some things that are going to happen because there are those that don't like to hear the word of God. They absolutely don't. And, you know, see, I find this kind of puzzling in a way because, um, you know, they talk about things in one direction, but then when it comes to talking about God and being in his understanding, they don't want to have any part of it except they speak and they skirt the ideals and conversation skirts in faith. And... Here's the other thing, too. In saying this, and in what Jesus gave us in Luke, and I remember I shared that part with you, too, but that doesn't mean to go out and be fools because we have been given certain things. Behold, I give unto you a power to tread on the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, there are organizations that will take these things out of context and they go out and they play with deadly snakes and different things and they do things um, saying, oh, but the Bible says that nothing's going to hurt me. And oh, the power says not to have a spirit of fear because nothing will hurt me. Okay, the Bible also says, thou shalt not tempt thy Lord thy God. What does that mean? Well... That means that you don't go purposefully looking for things that are harmful, deadly, poisonous, um, that could conceivably kill you, and then make a declaration, God says he's got me, I'm not afraid, and then you swallow a gallon of gasoline, you've got gasoline all through your mouth and spilled down your shirt and clothes, and then you hold a match up and you bring it close and you have to understand that it's not the liquid that ignites, it's the fumes that ignite first. And then as they diminish, it gets down to liquid. So when you do something really foolish like that, and then the fumes of the gasoline ignite, then before you know it, your shirt's on fire. Then before you know it, your skin's actually burning because you spilled gas all over trying to be a showboat. That's foolishness and that's tempting your Lord thy God and trying to put him out on display and show and people get in and they wrestle and roll around in uh, viper pits to show that, oh, look, God's got me. God says he'll never let anything hurt me. Well, he says that, but he also tells you not to act the fool. And quite honestly, that's acting like a fool. And when you put God in a position like that, what you're doing is you're going to say, well, you, you're either for me or you're against me. It's like, you know, you have politicians that do that sort of thing. And that's ridiculous. You don't want to vote for them because you think that they're not very good at what they do. Um, so you're not going to vote for them. And then they declare you their enemy and so forth. And all this silliness. So don't put God on display. This is... This is one of the things that uh, Jesus spoke of in his uh, talking about his disdain for religion. And Jesus did not appreciate 
religion much at all. He didn't like it. Why? Because they were constantly <clears throat> putting God on display for their benefit to themselves. And they would box them and in in these little ornate boxes and they would take them out only when it was convenient. And we have... Um, I have something I'm going to share because my niece sent this and she was questioning because um, and prayerfully I gave her the good answers and the scriptures that I included for her to take and study it on her own. But she was questioning because I guess someone at her church I don't know where she got it from, but she got the she got the question came up about self judgment. And first and foremost, I'm gonna share this with you. And that includes self judgment. You say, Well, that doesn't count. This is he's talking about something else. The Bible tells us, judge not lest ye be judged. What exactly does that mean? That means that you do not take the sovereign authority away from the Lord God Almighty, who is the almighty judge of all things, all things, and start judging them yourself. Judgment is wrong. You do not have, and that is an authority that you have not been given, and that includes self-judging. Well, you say, wait a minute, I don't understand that. Well, I do this and I do that, and it's not the same thing. Well, yeah, it is, and you have to be cautious when you do uh, your self-examinations to make sure that you're on. That's not a judgment. Self-examination is to ensure that you're on the right path and that you're doing the right thing. There's a difference. And the difference is that when you are trying to ensure that you're going the right way, you're in prayer, you're following the guidance of the Holy Spirit and you lean into the Holy Spirit and hear what the Holy Spirit has to tell you. But when you're judging and you're making judgment, you have to be very cautious and just rebuke it because the enemy, that would be Satan, who we have been given authority over on his serpents and scorpions, which is Bible speak for his demons that come. We have been given that authority and even I, at times, will slip off and, and forget to remind myself of that authority and hold on to it and chase them away. Yeah, it happens. And then what, what happens when you're, when you're not carefully doing that, then you start, to, and this is when the minions come in. They love to get you <clears throat> to be, go beyond the self-examination, they would love you to get into self-judgment because then when you start doing that, you start comparing yourself to other people that are either working in the church or doing other things and you compare and then you start finding fault with the things that they're doing or how they speak to you or how they speak to other people. Hmm. Well, if I was in that position or if I had that job, I wouldn't talk to them that way. I wouldn't do this. I would do it this way and I would do it that way. Yeah, but you don't have that position because you haven't been anointed for that. God has got you busy doing something else. 
Or maybe he's grooming you for something. Maybe something better. Yeah. And then what happens is that when you start doing that self-judgment thing, you start to uh, compare yourself with other people. You start to compare what you did yesterday. And, you know, oh, man, I did it again. And then before you know it, you are bound hand and foot and dragged into things that you did that you've already been forgiven for. And then the enemy will drag you down to the beach, the sea of forgetfulness, and he unties you. And then you go swim out where you see the bubbling coming up from the things that God threw out there. And the enemy has already had his little minions go out there and put a buoy on there with your name on it. So you can swim out there and dive down and pick up that loaded garbage that you were forgiven for, left behind, left with God, and he took and tossed it out there, except Satan doesn't want you to forget it. He wants you to bring it up again, and he wants you to take it and toss it up in your attic, which incidentally is upstairs in your mindset, and toss it up there in the attic so that his serpents can slither up the stairs and his scorpions can get up there, can skitter around and kick up the dust. So then your eyesight is troubled because you have that grit and dust and everything that they're busy kicking around up there. And you have this thumping and trashing about because they're upstairs dumping over the boxes, making all sorts of noise and commotion up there. So now you have interference on your focus to God and what you should be studying on and what you should be focused on. The third letter of John. John 3, 1, 11. <laughs> the only chapter there is. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. They don't get God. They don't understand God. They don't see him. They don't hear him. And they continually say, well, God doesn't speak to me. I have never seen God. I don't know. You're talking about all this stuff. I've never seen it happen. Well, let me tell you this about certain things. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to try to put it into a... <clears throat> use an analogy that folks many times will use in the world of science. And they use words and terms like cryptids and unknown this and unknown that. <clears throat> and it doesn't exist because I haven't seen it. Well... I'm going to tell you this about that sort of thing. Just because you haven't seen it is no indication that it does not exist and that it's not real. It's because your mindset is closed off to those things and to that realm. And I've shared this with you before. It's very, and I find it very, almost to the point of hilarity, but I don't, won't laugh in their face <clears throat> because you don't want to do that. But you have individuals... <clears throat> Pardon me, that 
make a declaration, oh, I can't have faith in God. I, I haven't seen God. I haven't heard God. He doesn't talk to me. And how am I going to believe this? Because I have to give up this. I have to give up that. I have to do this. I have to live this way. I have to live that way. Um, wow, it sounds like you're just really bound up in a whole lot of garbage, unfortunately. And you have to dig your way out of that waste pile, that refuse. Dig yourself out of that refuse because it's causing you to refuse. If you get that. And that argument, I've poked holes in before. I'll do it again. But you sit there and you'll declare that because you haven't seen God, you can't have faith in God. <clears throat> so... You put your faith in your auto mechanic. You haven't. You have, don't stand right there in his shop and you watch his employees do the work. But you you have faith that they do, and so much so that you're going to fork over three, four, five hundred dollars to them. And you didn't see him do the work. It's like my motorcycle has been down for. It's been down for a long time. I can't even get a ride to church and I can't get anybody. I've got a couple people that respond and take me to church. I come right out and ask them and they do. I can't get folks to come by and pick me up to get me to church. I can't, uh, you know, I can't go do my shopping. The things that I had for my own transportation. And that's all I have is that. But I have faith that the shop is going to do it. I like the guys. I like what they've done. And, I, and they allow me to walk into the shop and watch things that are going on. So when I can see it in front of me, I, can, I have an easier time in putting my faith into it. And, you know, you'll get on an airplane and go fly across the country, across the ocean, whatever. Um, and you have faith that the pilot's in there and the plane is flying itself. And, you know, they don't have it on autopilot. And supposedly they've got that day coming where you won't even need a, a physical pilot in the aircraft. <laughs> I'm not even going to step foot on that. I, I haven't been on an airplane in a while, while anyway, but I'm not going to even get on that. So the thing of it is, brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is simply because you don't see something doesn't mean that it does not exist and is non-existence. You have in the realm of... Uh, Marine biologists and field biologists, <clears throat> there are certain cryptids and things that have not been seen because they haven't seen it. They say that it doesn't exist. There are other people that have seen it, but they don't want to believe them because that they haven't seen it their own selves. That is ridiculous and foolish notion. There was a species of chimpanzee that was newly found and uh, let me see, when I read that article, I got to remember, I don't want to get time frames on this up. But anyway, it was a couple decades ago. It was up to that point, it was unknown. They hadn't seen it. They, and then they had, <clears throat> pardon me, they had reports of this very large primate that was making itself known and had seen it. And it, the characteristics were different than other chimpanzees. It was almost, uh, uh, had gone to a different development was around people, but it was also very cautious and was very well hidden and, and would stay that way. Well, lo and behold, 
had a field biologist out there that was actually doing real field biological work by going out in the field and studying things, these things and found this new species of chimpanzee. Wow, because you had one that actually went out in the field and did what they went to school and said before. It's like the giant squid that people were trying to say was like the kraken and, and um, oh, it doesn't exist. Uh, there's no place that it could be, no place it can be found. Let me explain something to you folks before we start poo-pooing all this stuff and saying it's not there. There is a greater percentage of the oceans on the face of this planet that have not been explored or seen or visited or researched than our journeys into outer space that go beyond the realm of this plane of existence that we're in here. That's pretty phenomenal. But at any rate, this giant squid, you had marine biologists saying, oh, it doesn't exist, doesn't exist, no such thing. It's a figment of imagination. They just thought they saw this or they thought they saw that. <clears throat> Until a team of English, Japanese, American, and Chinese marine biologists went down in a deep diving sphere <clears throat> that could go deeper than any other diving apparatus. And they went down and they had a bait line out. And then the camera caught something miraculous because... They didn't see it. It was moving too fast. They, they caught a glimpse. And from the darkness that was beyond the light that they had that was working on the outside of this unit, here came this large tentacle that came from the dark in the distance to the bait and pulled it off and to itself. And then when they it turned to swim and go a different direction, the camera caught the eye. And then they started doing the math and they started figuring out and estimating size of this thing by dimensional mathematics that the size of this squid was at least 40 feet long. Okay, to put that in perspective, you see those big yellow school buses that drive down the road taking the kids to, to not the little mini ones and all that, but the full size bus, that's 40 feet. That's 40 feet long. So you have a squid that swims around out in a deep, deep, dark ocean that's that big. That's pretty amazing. But because people and certain members of the marine biological field of study didn't see it, they didn't believe that it was there and it wasn't real. So you have individuals that don't hear God speak to them. They don't see God move in their lives. So they choose not to believe that God exists because they haven't seen it. And other people that are saying that God exists, they've heard God, they've seen his miracles, they believe in him. They, in turn, will call them a liar that they're making these things up. Well, here's the thing about that that I say often, and you'll hear me say it often, and I'm not going to stop saying it, is I don't care, and I don't say that viciously or meanly, but I don't care because guess what? Your validation is not what matters. The validation that I receive from my Lord God Almighty, Hashem, declares that to me, that he is my Lord, my God, that he does love me, that he did give his only begotten son for my sake. And that for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever chooses to believe in him and have faith in God shall not perish but have everlasting life. Validation comes from my God and not from each one of you out there that want to point your finger in condemnation and blame and ridicule and saying, I haven't seen God, I haven't heard God, so you're a liar and you're not telling the truth and you're making stuff up. Says who? Says you. And what authority are you? You are from the minions of hell that work for the devil and you speak the language of your father because that's all you hear. Just like my Lord Jesus told the Sanhedrin. He said, you wouldn't know the truth. You claim to have read the truth, but you don't believe the truth because it doesn't go along with what you say or what you believe. You speak the language of your father, and that is lies, untruth, and deceit. They didn't like that. You think they got offended? Oh, you're right, they did, to the point that they crucified my Lord Jesus. To the point that they crucified him. And he went to the cross and died for me. And anyone else out there that chooses to believe. And then you have those perverts that get up on the stage and will say, oh, got to rewrite the Bible because it's not relevant. Excuse me. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and for always. Because the word was with God from the beginning. The word was with God. The word was with God. And the word was manifest and became flesh. The word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ and he came to this earth with the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life and the light, the light of the life of the path of righteousness. That is my Lord Jesus. And having faith in him and believing in him and simply because others want to naysay, try to discredit and degrade, debase. That's, that's what Satan is all about. The enemy is all about blame, degradation, confusion, issues, separation, derision, hatred. That's what Satan wants to drive in between every single one of us. All of us. And even those that want to declare that I am making things up and that I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, that's okay because you haven't walked in my shoes and you have no idea. You're making things up that you don't know about, that you haven't seen. So it's easy for you to sit over on that side of this little gizmo, having never met me physically, don't know me, don't, wouldn't, quite possibly wouldn't know me if you bumped into me on the street. You haven't walked in my shoes. You didn't go and decide that you were going to jump, take that, 18-wheeler and drive off the Oakland Bay Bridge, which I could have easily handled to do because of the weight and everything I had in there, and I was familiar enough with the vehicle, and I was going to drive off. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, spoke to me so audibly that I actually turned and looked over because it was as if somebody was physically there in my tractor with me in the dark and all the lights turned off, which I kept very subdued driving at nighttime. But that voice was so audible. I believe that there was somebody sitting in the sleeper with me. A little startling at first. Then I realized. The Holy Spirit said a very simple phrase. What about your grandchildren? Yowza. And as I've shared before, my, my sons were not even 
close to being out of elementary school yet. My oldest boy was, I think he's four years older than my youngest child. Something like that. I don't remember. I'm old. I forget stuff. Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, but they weren't even out of elementary school yet. Oh, for goodness sake. And here I have four grandchildren. And the youngest of which is a miracle child. Her name is Elizabeth. And that name Elizabeth means gift of God or consecrated of God. And knowing the circumstances that I do now and I didn't know before that. Yeah, she's a miracle of God. And I've seen her. I'm I'm watching through uh, rather vicariously because my children are at distance physically from me. I can't get there, and but they share photographs. Oh my goodness! And I would have missed out on these things if I had gone ahead and driven off that bridge. And before that, if I go back, there were times where. In the military, I should be dead right now. I'm not. Even, and this is a troubling thing for me because I have a great deal of, a number of my friends and acquaintances that went and died in a place called Beirut, Lebanon. This is back when our troubles first kind of started out there in the Middle East. I mean, we used to have allies in this world, and now it seems like we have none. We have one, really good one. But this country, this nation, has turned its back on our Lord God Almighty. One nation under God, indivisible. What does that mean? That means that we can't be separated and divided. However, look around you. You have black against black. You have black against white. You have white against white and white against black. And Native American, this stuff goes back and forth. Everyone seems to have forgotten that God painted the palette. He decided the coloration. We decide the character of the heart. So what do you choose? Do you choose to be good toward everyone that does not look like you? might be a different color than you? Do you choose to do good by them? Or are you choosing to be wicked, evil, deceitful, derisive, and separative, and point your finger in blame and condemnation? See, that's what the enemy loves to do, is stir that up. I think I shared this with you the other day. I, I had an individual, and it, it saddened me, actually, at the same time. It, it, it angers me and saddens me. But remember here, too, The Bible says that we can be angry just because you claim the title of Christian doesn't mean that you can't get angry or that you don't get angry and that you lay down on the ground and that you just allow people to walk on you, okay? Jesus didn't even do that, except what he did say was that if your enemy may come up and strike you and if they come up and slap you, then what you do is you turn and offer them the other cheek. And he did that. But when he became angry, he didn't become confrontational to the fact that he'd grab them by their cloak and then beat them up. 
And when he changed the money changers out of the temple, somebody would say, yeah, but what about that? What about that? What about that? Yeah, what about it? He was angry, but he scourged them out as if he was leading a flock of sheep or a herd of cattle or the donkeys leading them to stables or out of the yard to the, back to their own pasture. He scourged them out of the temple. He didn't beat them up. He didn't jump on them and knock them down on the ground and grab them by the, the shirt collar and start slapping them around and punching them. He didn't do that. He turned over their tables, caused them to lose track of everything that they were doing, counting and stealing from the people that were coming to worship God and stealing from God, taking their cut and percentage of. He turned their tables and then he chased them out of the courtyard of the house of God. He scourged them out. Doesn't say that he beat them up. It says he scourged them. There's a difference. You can be angry. Just be righteous in your anger. That's what you have to do. Be righteous in your anger. Don't be confrontational. Don't fight. Don't curse. Don't cuss them out or anything. But this man came and started. He was uh, sadly old enough that he should have known better. Old enough that he could have observed. But what did he do? He chose to hold on to his anger. He chose to hold on to the derisive attitude. And then actually became quite threatening and said, yeah, well, where I come from, we just shoot you white folks. Talk to me like that. And I was like, wow, wow. Okay, so yeah, he was a black man, an older black man. And he'd start out one way as soon as he was getting his way for everything. And then he was very demanding and everybody had to, uh, he wanted me to cow town and wait on him hand and foot. Well, that wasn't going to happen. I had things I had to do. But he was very disrespectful, rude and obnoxious, nasty and mean, and because it wasn't happening the way he wanted it to happen, and he disrespected everybody else, which got me, that's what got me, when he totally, and will make an open statement that everyone can hear, and I just told him. I verbally, basically put him in his place. And then when he said that, you know, where he comes from, I'd get shot because I was white. And I just looked at him and I said, well, it's a good thing that I'm not white then, huh? And he goes, what? I said, yeah, not white. And what he was choosing to do, what he chose to do is he saw the appearance of my skin, which many people do. They see the appearance of my skin and they believe me to be white. Well, I'm not. Surprise, surprise, lo and behold. God determines the tonation of our skin. He made us according to the palette that he chose and painted our skin that way. We choose the character of our heart. Do I choose to be derisive and hateful and, and mean and nasty and vicious? No, I don't. And I pray that the Holy Spirit keep me away from that and guide me in the steps of righteousness that I need to follow in sharing the word of God. And I pray that the healing of this nation so that this nation is not so caught up in the derisive nature of this. And I'm going to share something here. I... I In Matthew chapter 5, this is, these are what people call the Beatitudes. Interesting word there. And I'm going to give you my take on what that means. Um, could be all gone or way off, and, and I don't know because I've never heard it spoken to or um, t 
taken that way. So I don't know. But the Beatitudes are it is the definition of the term it's um, according to the definition and then I'm going to take you my direction according to the definition in the um, for dictionary is that it's a supreme blessedness or exalted happiness and any of the declarations of blessedness that was given by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount but here's my take on that. Be attitudes. Many words that we take are compound words or phrases that come from another language. But listen, Jesus is talking about being a certain way and having a certain attitude that brings that righteousness that I just described for the dictionary defin- uh, definition. But mine is that Jesus is teaching us to be of a certain attitude and share that attitude and that gives us that righteousness that we take out and share. And when he came out and he started to teach them, blessed are the poor of spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As a child of God... We have chosen to accept that Jesus Christ came and was crucified for us, which then makes us taking that path that we choose to have the faith in God and that we're going to follow the Holy Spirit. That now makes us a child of God, an adopted child of God. We are an heir and a co-heir, joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. We are God's children. And as such... We are to be peacemakers. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. My kingdom is in heaven and not on this plane of existence, and I will declare the word of God. And there are those that, well, I'm certain, There's coming a time where if they do see me, I'm going to be persecuted and have their finger point at me and they're going to try to remind me of all all the things that I've done in the past and look what, oh, hey, I saw you the day before yesterday and you were doing this and this and this and this and that and that and that and that and they want to do this or I remember, oh man, I remember. I remember two years ago, you haven't changed a bit and I've actually heard this. You haven't changed at all. You're the same as you were then. La da 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 da. And they didn't even look at the circumstances that we were in and they didn't even really seek or see the reaction that was going on. 
That didn't matter. They just wanted to pull up that condemnation and point their finger and blame and attitude, and which is what Satan loves to do. He loves for anything that comes up that might be a stir or controversial, and he loves to get us right smack in the middle of it. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Because you stand up for the name of Jesus, faith in God, and the Holy Spirit which guides the steps, as long as you speak in righteousness, you're going to have individuals that are come up and they're going to try to speak falsely, twist everything you say, which is why um, what they did, exactly what they did with Jesus, they tried to twist and manipulate what he said. And... The Sanhedrin would try to get him when they had him on their little platform and trying to point their finger and get him all agitated and worked up. And it didn't work. He just turned the tables on him. He spoke them straight from the scriptures. And they could, they had no reply. They had nothing because he spoke with straight authority that they didn't have because they rejected the authority that was given by their belief in God. And they said that the laws of Moses govern, that you are a blasphemer and that you are declaring your power and you're chasing out these demons and the devils in the name of the devil. Uh, well, Jesus tried to explain to them, but they didn't want to hear it. Not at all. And there will be those that are, will come against and make up things. And like I shared with you, Paul wrote, to the church at Ephesus and there were two uh, women that were there and they had the church split in half because of their derisive attitude and their condemnation and one was saying this about the other and the other was saying that back and and it went on back and forth and they had the body of the church was split in half. They had two different factions and they were warring with one another. And then, you know, as it gets Sometimes, and I've actually been in that, and, and you, you, in the military it was that, you got rumors and rumors and rumors and gossip goes back and forth, and you say, well, where'd you, how do you know that? Uh, well, I heard it from so-and-so. Who heard it from so-and-so? Who heard it from so-and-so? Well, did you actually see that? Uh, well, no, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they've been friends for a long time, and, you know, I take them for what they say. Well, hmm. Sounds kind of foolhardy to me. See, I have proof for all the things that I have that, that goes beyond the understanding of mammon. And they don't get it and they don't see what I see. And then, of course, they're going to have their issue and their appointments in their mind. But see, I've lived these things. I've walked this walk. I have sit here and I look and I see and I've shared this with you before. I look at my shelves, I see what I have, what I don't have actually. But what I see that I do have is I have everything that I need because God provides what I need. Might not be what I want and I used to be very confused of that. Do I need it or do I want it? And I used to confuse my wants with my needs, my needs with my wants, I'd had that all messed up. And I had things. I could sign documents and get stuff and I would just, what a knucklehead I was. What, they're just going to give me that because of my name? Man, I am somebody. 
Uh, yeah, guess what? I'm still somebody, but I don't have all that stuff and I don't have that capability. But what I do have is my Lord God Almighty who loves me deeply and Jesus who came and died for me. He sacrifices life for me. Pause for the cause of reflection. Do not judge yourself because you do not have that authority. You do not have the authority to not forgive yourself. I've heard people say this before. I can't, I can't find it to forgive myself. How am I supposed to forgive? That's exactly the point. How are you supposed to forgive? Because you can't forgive yourself. You are trying to usurp the authority of the sovereign Lord God Almighty, who is all forgiving, all loving, and that we must forgive our neighbors as we forgive ourselves. And otherwise, you're not in the Lord. Because if you can't forgive yourself and it doesn't allow you to forgive other people, then you are usurping the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty. You have decided that your process is more important and of more greater value. Be cautious, brothers and sisters. Further reading. Matthew 5.12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So quit your griping, whining, and complaining about what's going on or what people will say or do by you because you're sharing the word of God or you're supposed to be sharing the word of God and doing his work, being about your father's business. But you gripe about, yeah, but they're going to do this and they're going to that and they're going to do this. Oh, wait a second. You think that anything is different than than you or that you're better than predecessors or that you are even better than Jesus who came to this earth and they reviled him, they rebuked him, they spat on him, they beat him nearly to death before they made him carry the beam of his cross to Golgotha and he was so beaten down and so weakened after what the Romans had done to him that he couldn't carry the cross, they had to have help and that this was done by the elders who he came to to save for their sake that he came and they instead decided that they knew more about the scripture than Jesus, the only begotten son of God, the word of God who manifested himself and came to this plane of existence for our sakes, that they knew more than he and they crucified him unto death. But when he died and he told God and he looked up before he made the final statement, what did he do? He looked down on those from the cross, which he had been put upon. And then he looked to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they didn't know. He asked that God to forgive them anyway. He asked Father God to forgive them anyway. And then he told God, it is finished. What did he mean? Jesus told God, said, it's done. I came to do what we said we wanted to do. I came and did it and I'm done. At that moment when he gave up the ghost, he gave up the Holy Spirit and God took him to his, into his arms and pulled him close. At that moment, there was a great trembling and a great earthquake. The skies darkened, pitifully dark. 
And there were Romans that had actually dropped to their knees. You had a centurion that declared, truly, it was the Son of God. And that in the temples, every single temple that was separated from the Holy of Holies, which is where the high priest only could go, you couldn't have those that came to worship God in the congregation go in there and talk to God. The woman at the well, she was now able to go to God herself without having to go to a specific synagogue, church, or temple because the Samaritans were not allowed to go there. And I've shared this with you. How foolish was that? Because the Jews reviled the Samaritans and vice versa. Why? They were related. The well that that woman was at was Jacob's well. He dug it for them. They were his grandchildren as in was the nation of Israel. They were related, interrelated. But now she could worship God anywhere. She didn't have to go to a special temple and the Jews wouldn't allow them to go to the temple in Jerusalem anywhere, which, which many wanted to go to. Why? Because Jesus spent a lot of time there. And remember this, okay? Don't sugarcoat the gospel. I don't, and I won't. There are many that were going to make it all bluebirds and happiness and lilting little songs and all that and that's all they want to talk about they were not going to talk about the truth they're not going to talk about what's coming they're not going to talk about any of their prophecies and they're not going to talk about the fact that the devil is coming and wants to grab you and peel you like a grape they don't want to talk about that Jesus said ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost its savor Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Salt in cooking and baking can draw out sweetness. It preserves, it adds flavor and taste and helps to add texture. So in calling us salt of the earth, Jesus was an amazing cook, chef. He knew how to blend all this and the salt that blends, it adds to, it doesn't detract. But if you've lost your savor, meaning that you won't talk about the gospel of Jesus in truth and the, and the gospel of the Holy Bible in truth and wholeness and righteousness and in context, then you're losing your savor and you're not good for much of anything. So you may as well go hang out with your buddies and all that stuff because you don't read the Bible. You don't, go, you don't go to prayer meetings. You don't pray. You don't talk to God and you're not about your father's business. So you may as well go ahead to the pools and back to the strip clubs and hang out with your buddies and all that stuff and start drinking. No, you should not do that. You should ask repentance, forgiveness for God and help him to strengthen you so that you can do that thing again. Jesus continues, we will read in verse 14, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. 
Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You are in the house of the Lord. You share his word, you share his truth, you share that light. Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And Jesus tried to explain to them, this is the part that the Sanhedrin had a problem with. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the people, of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And see, this is a part that they didn't get. Why? Because they were so caught up in the law of Moses that the first five scripture, uh, first five uh, books, scrolls, were the law of Moses. And that it was his law. Well, it's not his, it was God's law that was given to him on the tablets to share. Brothers and sisters, you are in my thoughts and my prayers daily. My going out, my coming in. Be upright, be bold, be righteous, be courageous. Don't fear. Don't fear for anything. He didn't put the spirit of fear in us to come in here and walk around. And David talks about that fear. If I have the spirit of God in me, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Have no fear. I might have my physical death, but I'm not going to perish. See, there's a difference. And people get so caught up in this that perishing and dying is the same thing. It's not. It is not the same thing. Satan no longer has the keys to the pit and the entrance gate to death. That's not his anymore. That gate has actually been taken down. Now it is a shadow of death. And just like it declares in Psalms, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're in my prayers, am I going out, am I coming in? 